All right, friends. So I know I've been gone for a minute, but I'm back. I am sitting at a table of 16 people participating in something called Better Angels. And uh, I'm actually really excited about the direction of where this is going. Uh, What Better Angels does is actually bring together Republicans, Democrats from across the spectrum to have some directional conversation around where we can find some commonalities, where the differences are, why the differences are there, and then figure out how we can begin to move in a direction that maybe not in lockstep, but at least are headed towards a beneficial world for all people involved. Because at the end of the day, we all are Americans. So we'll see how this conversation goes. Because what I do know at the end of the day is I'm a black man in America. I have my views based from that stamp from that frame of mind um, and trying to find ways to, that we can do things to benefit uh, us because historically we have been disenfranchised over time I'm always coming from that standpoint and from that framework so this is going to be an interesting conversation we about to get started and I'm going to have you guys get an opportunity to listen in a little bit too okay mad love man this is going to be great alright peace be described and you guys can suggest uh, you know, stereotypes, things that you hear said about the blue-leaning political side of the American divide um, that you feel like, wow, these are stereotypes people have of, of the blue world. Um, and at this point, I'm just going to list. And if we need to explain it a little bit, we'll do that. But it may be that a single word captures it well enough and we can just put it up there. Because again, the goal is to generate a list that we then contemplate and think a little bit about and then choose the, the four that will really develop more fully, okay? Mm-hmm. So, that is a Sharpie. <laughs> and that will leave a permanent mark on that whiteboard. Oh, I was thinking for the paper, but... Yeah, I'm hoping for the paper too, but it bleeds through. So we'll stick oh. with, we'll, we'll see how this goes. If it gets bad enough, I'll put a second piece of paper up there and we'll use the Sharpie. So, I'm, there you. I'm actually an observer, but I'm curious. I hear snowflake all the time. So let me keep the participants for this uh, for the for the suggestors. If anybody wants to pick up snowflake, feel free. But uh, let's uh, let's start with the stereotypes that you guys see of the blue side. They deal with the uh, they only uh, they only deal with the uh, poor. They only fight for poor people. Okay. So they only poor, care like poor communities. Like wow. Okay. So that's really a. <laughs> You just made an invisible statement, believe it or not. There you go. That's okay. <laughs> All right, Karen. That's good. Yeah, I want to just. We know what that's saying. give the sharpie, and we'll just. Uh, you take yeah, the blame. Sign the paper. Put the, put, the paper <laughs> put the papers together so that it doesn't breathe through. There you go. I'm in. We'll be all right. Yeah, we'll work that out. All right. Good problem. No, because we have to take that paper. Oh. I only care about four. Only care for the poor. Okay. Okay. What else? Elitist. Elitist. And when you say elitist, what are you thinking? Um, you know the intelligentsia, the people who float above others. Mm -hmm. We think we're smarter, smarter than everybody else. Yeah. Liberal New England (laughs) Democrats, Uh, Judy. You want open borders. Open borders. Okay. What else? 
massive government funding for government programs. Okay. Rather big than government. individual responsibility. So big, big government, government funding for the community. Right. Versus individual responsibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we'll put those two together. Those may be separate issues, but I think they, Trav, I'm hearing you say, and I think you're right with the stereotyping, that that's sort of the package. Big government downplay individual responsibility with it. Freeloaders. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, freeloading. <laughs> Should we stick that in there? Is that a separate issue? Not a separate issue, freeloaders. Okay. What else? We like government regulations. Okay. Anti-free market. Yeah. And are, is that a That's part the of thing. the government regulations? Yes, it's because of because yeah. we're anti-free market. Yeah. I'd say that's separate. Yeah. Well, I was going to say it depends a lot on what you're regulating. So you can be worried about regulating the environment. That may not be anti-free market, could be, but, um, and it may be a lot of times when people talk about this, it is economic constraint. Mm -hmm. So we can make this, we'll, we'll see how we vote, and if we want to, we can stick these together and deal with one group, or we may decide we've got other issues we want to yeah. talk about. Yeah. That we're moralists. Moralists. We don't have anything that really drives our... Um, Moral less. Yeah. So okay. how about amoral? Amoral. Not immoral, but amoral. amoral. I'll put a hyphen in there to try and emphasize the fact that we say we don't think in moral categories. Not necessarily that we're practicing immorality. Just that's not our thing. And the rules that we make on it. Derek, have we heard from you on this yet? Um, that's Brent. Brent, I'm sorry. Derek. <laughs> <laughs> You're hiding your name tag back there. You don't have them. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's Brent. So just how about you, Brent? Any other things? Because we both wear glasses. Is that why you? <laughs> Any stereotypes that you can think of that we don't have up here right now? No, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the whole concept of having a stereotype. Yeah, from what the other group thinks of this group. Yeah. Yeah. Things that we think. Yeah. It's your perception of how you're perceived is really what we're asking. How do you think people think about you would be another way to think, to, to, to state it. Yeah. Um, we're pro-choice at all cost. Okay, so pro-choice. Lorenzo, you get whoops. Yeah, kind of like um, it's like you know, stop the wall that didn't build. Like it's like, I don't know what perspective to put in. It's kind of like we fought to let people they stereotype us as a Democrat as freedom of coming to America. It's like come here, open like borders. open borders. So maybe the open borders. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And that's a big thing, you know, because yeah, about that. Okay, good. Open form gates. Uh, Anything else in terms of stereotypes? Yeah, this may be 
kind of, I don't want to say personal, but black males are criminals. Mm. Yeah, so in terms of the stereotype of blue, um, well, all, they, they assume that all black people are, are uh, Democrats anyway. <laughs> yeah, so I'm trying to, so I, I'm trying to figure out that it perception works, yeah. in terms of how it works for a stereotype, because I understand the, the idea of that, that, uh, that perception, but for the stereotype of blue, is it advocacy for minorities or, yes. or perhaps blind advocacy for minorities, if that would make sense? <coughs> Where just no matter what, we're going to cheer for the blind advocacy. What they would think, it would seem that the other side would say, we would think that they're saying, and we think, we're thinking that they think you guys always want to hope help some people that are malingerers. Oh, okay. Yeah, so maybe uh, yeah. help minorities no matter what. Exactly. Right. Oh, no. Is that in the freeloader area? It, it could be. It could yeah. be. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. I mean, for 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 black Democrats, I feel like we we. We, we don't have our own opinion. Like, we just follow along with whatever is said. Oh, okay. So, oh, yeah. Um, you know, like, we, like, we don't know what we're talking power. about. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah we voted for Obama just because he was black. And that all of us voted for Obama. But 23% African-American voters. So black Democrats Me. viewed as just followers, just mm -hmm. going with whatever the flow that others, the agenda that others are setting. Yeah. Right. Okay. Anything else? We want to end up with a list of four, so we don't have to come up with 40, but at the same time, sometimes it takes a little bit of thinking to come up with the well, well, in history, now that it's open, uh, it's the opposite because back during Republicans was for the peace of human beings and Democrats wasn't mean. So how can you stare these, you know, that's a big stereotype thing. Yeah, so that's a good, and this is one of the things people talk about, how yeah. the parties have flipped the top over time. You know. We'll just stick with the here and now okay. for okay. the sake of this conversation. That, that may come up as we talk yeah, about this sure. actually, so that's a, that's a good thought. Any other, other things from stereotypes? That Democrats may want to tend to give too much power to people that they don't feel deserving, like women and transgender person personnel. Yeah. Oh. So um, so sometimes people call that identity group politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of um, sexist ideology. Negative yeah, I think what I mentioned actually falls under the big government thing too, with how back in you know the times of slavery in this country, the Democrats before slavery, they were right, they were these corporations, right, right, right. you know, and they're still for these corporations. It's just all right. Let's keep keep our uh, right here. participants here. We here. We here. Have we got a point? I'm not. I'm not figuring out how to make this a good sentence, but the important words are social justice. 
Okay. Yeah, social justice warriors. That's a phrase I hear people use sometimes. Um, I have a great one. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Social justice warriors. Uh, you know what? This is the, this is a random way. We can vote it off or vote it on as we go. Yeah, but we'll see what we do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like 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 the food stamps and the county and stuff. And it's not. Oh yeah. Black people. That's really that's overriding the population of this. So the Democrats is it's kind of like we to blame the Democrats are blamed for welfare, which yeah. which Republicans it's not. It's not as the rates of the African Americans on welfare because the rates of the Caucasian on welfare is the same more. Caucasians on food stamps and welfare. Yeah, yeah. African Americans and emissions wasn't even for African Americans. I mean, it's real deep because 1905, they only had a budget. They did account for the population, though, the population of four million people. That's why so much homelessness right now because they're using the same concept. Now they recognize now that we have 45 million people in California. So now they have to change what they use the dynamics of four million people in 1905 to 2018 to 45 million people. So we're the, we're so the advocates. Social change. Advocating for welfare state. state. Right. Welfare state. Right. Yeah. So yeah. like we like. That's a big deal. That's a very big deal. And, and you'll notice as we look at these, welfare state often overlaps with big government concerns and yes. things like that. And these are things that when the time comes, we'll. We'll do the voting, we'll identify the ones, okay, these, these are the, the things. And we'll, we may roll something into one of these when it comes time to talk about the stereotype. They certainly do have overlap. Any other ones we're missing right now? Because I'm about ready to say, hey, let's vote on these things. Yeah, let's vote. Cool. Cool. Everybody, one more? All right. Let's play it. I'm just You're just messing with me, right? <laughs> Got too much coffee this morning. Okay, so let's just look at those, and I'm going to give everybody four votes because there's four of these that that we'll actually do. Depending upon how they distribute it, we may do a revote um, because we may find some of these that are really easy to combine, so we pick up another one. But we'll just at the moment say, okay, let me look at this list. Say, here's the four that I would say these were the four most important stereotypes that I think would be worth us talking about. So, you get a moment to kind of look at it. Yeah, yeah. You can take a moment to look at it. If you have a sheet of paper, anything, you can write them down if you want. Um, whatever yeah. works for you. I'm a promising paper here that I don't have without stealing. Don't you steal some kid's notebook for you? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm all right. care about the poor. Two. Um, elitist. Two. Open borders, y'all come to America kind of a thing. Four. Big government, not individual responsibility. Is that opportunity, Judy? Yeah. 
Free, so we actually have four of those. Okay, cool. Freeloaders. Uh, government regulation, anti-free market. Uh, so we separate government regulation, anti-free market. Okay, that's easy. Whatever we're voting for, there we are. Uh, amoral. Pro-choice. Oh, <laughs> you really like it. <laughs> Bummer. Um, help minorities no matter what. One uh, black Democrats beat is just followers. Social justice warriors, advocates. The welfare state. So it looks like open borders, big government, not individual uh, um, responsibility, and welfare state were three at the top of the list. We've got a batch of twos here, open to the core, elitist, government regulation. Because um, I'm happy to give everybody another vote with our twos, or if we have brilliant ideas to consolidate, I'm happy to go with that too. I think only care for the poor goes with the welfare state. Yeah. 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 You kind of merge them. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So we can get rid of this by putting it into the welfare state, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Good. Um, then we have either elitist or big government anti-free market. I, th I think the big big government. Oh. Well. Mm. Uh, elitist. Yeah. So right now these are the two that have two votes that are mm. left. And I'm happy to pick up one of the other ones too. I mean, we don't we don't have to stick with this because I know that. Yeah, it leads make a lot of sense. Yeah, like the, the, the intelligence of what's really happening from where it's coming from, really. So the elitist. Yes, I think that's important. Okay. So. I mean, I don't hope yeah. Elitist, open borders, big government, and welfare state. Yeah, because I I would think the government regulations, anti-free market goes with big government because. Yeah, that's all important. They, the government wants to control everything. Yeah, you know, they're that's not in the United States anyway. They're in this Columbia. Yeah. So we're <laughs> so we're good with one, two, three, and four. Yeah. That sound right? Yeah. All right. I'm cool with that. We'll do that. And I will transfer. Oh, so keep thinking about what I'm doing with this paper before. You're doing really good so far. We're not wrecking the board. Yeah, we are good. <laughs> I'm a little nervous about that. <laughs> I can tell. So, well, bad life experience. I'm sitting here doing, we have a board uh, conference room at my school, and there's a white a board that looks like a whiteboard there. Oh, but it's I direct, it's, I make this whole thing up there, and it is completely indelible. It was oh. like a permit marker on this thing. So, yeah, I swipe it. I do, yeah. It was not a, it was a board that was white, but it was not a white board. So, anyhow, I had bad experiences for that. All right. So, let's tackle these one at a time here. Um, before we start, before, can we scoot everybody over so he's like at the table? Sure. So, Judy, could you scoot a little bit this way and then we can get um, Brent up here to the, to the table? Thank you so much, guys. Hello.
So let me start. Open borders and big government were our two biggest vote getters. I want to start with those to make sure we have time to develop those, and then we'll work. Uh, hopefully, we'll get through all four without any trouble. We'll see. So let's just start with open borders. And what would you say is wrong? And uh, you can take notes. Okay. About what we're hearing. And and the other blue team blue is also oh, yeah. their yeah, help, yeah, yeah. helper squad here. So I by all means do not speak for all Democrats. I'm sorry. So my name is Steele. Again, so we had a very very robust conversation about uh, what our uh, what what the what the perceived uh, stereotypes are around us and how we see them. So we'll start with open, board, open borders. The kernel of truth about uh, the open borders conversation that we're, we're for open borders really comes from the fact that we're open to the conversation. Like, if come to a space, yeah, you know, we can talk, let's have a conversation about the refugee situation, the asylum seekers, and uh, the, the, the situation that's happening with our border. And because we're open to the conversation, it's like, oh, you guys are for open borders. Like, wait, I didn't say that. I didn't, I'm just saying. We're open to the conversation, and uh, that 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 we actually do want uh, some regulation and some good policy around that. And just because we're for DACA doesn't mean we're open for open borders. Uh, and I think it's important. We, we were having a conversation about the importance of knowing our own past around uh, immigration, uh, because there's there is a very uh, interesting history as to how we even got to this point. Um, and, but there's also a lot of fear-mongering that comes around uh, why people feel the way that they feel about the borders themselves. Uh, and we're open to the conversation, which means that some of the fear-mongering tactics don't really work for us. Uh, and, 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 but, but I think we, there's a conversation that we need to have around that fear. Moving on to big government, because I only got five minutes. The any any additions anybody wants to make? Not questions from the red side, but just anybody else from blue that needs to add anything? Are we good? Good work. No problem. So big government. Right, that Democrats are for big government. You know, the the the, the uh, kernel of truth to that is that uh, there is a tendency to de to default to government to solve some of uh, our problems that that uh, involve everybody, right? Um, but I think the involving everybody thing is a, is a very important piece of this thing. We're not just for government solving all the problems, but there is a default sometimes, or a tendency to default towards uh, for things that involve all of us, like the environment, or uh, things like uh, making rules around uh, consumer protections. You know, like all those types of things like really, really matter. So uh, the big government piece, really started around the when the New Deal and New Society programs were created, which uh, were Democratic uh, priorities at those times when they were created. Um, the thing is, we really want, we do want individual responsibility. We do. But we may still need some protections when we're talking about things that involve all of us, not just some of us as individuals. So uh, we are for regulations and stuff like that and, and things that go into the big government category, but that doesn't mean that we just want to explode the size of government to solve all of our problems. That's not what we believe. Um, or the welfare state. Any, any other interjections for big government? What we're saying basically is that government be government. Be the servant and not the master. Government has become a master 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, oligarchy. They need to become masters. I mean, they need to become servants like they were elected to do. They need to do the job. That, but we, the people, have to become more involved in what they are doing. Right. We need to have a, brain, a bigger voice. And, and that, that's the thing. So, so the, to that to that point, but I really appreciate you saying that. Uh, the, the big, the, the, the stereotype is that oh no no no, we want it to be the master of all things, and that's that's not what we believe exactly. at all. Um, for the welfare state, the kernel of truth is yeah, man, it can diminish individual responsibility. It can do that. And I think the fear is that it will ultimately diminish and make us all slaves to the system, right? And that's what that's what Democrats want. That's not that's not what we believe, right? Uh, we believe that these programs, especially uh, some of the programs that were uh, uh, developed during the New Deal and New Society, were developed for good intentions of creating a safety net for people who live in America. We are the richest country in the world, right? And we have a lot of these resources. Why are we not putting things in place to take care of people who have fallen on hard times? The thing is, the problem is the administration of the program. And one of the things we talk about in administration is that you got these rules and regulations that were created in 1905, 19, it's, it's 2018. And the, the problems uh, that existed back then are not the problems that exist today. And the, the uh, administration of these programs are not caught up to the times, right? And so that is part of the reason why this may be bad and, and one of the reasons why, or part of the reason why um, we're not getting the type of impact that we want. Uh, so for us, the social safety net does not equal welfare state. If you could, if you could uh, do the, the last one no real quickly because we're, we're pretty much out of time. No problem, no problem. Uh, for the elitist part, the kernel of truth is that, um, yeah, when we, when we talk sometimes, Sometimes we don't code switch and, and we use words, and so the words may come off like I'm talking about your mom, and I wasn't trying to talk about your mom. I was really just trying to get a point across, right? So, uh, so the college, yeah, you know, we, we do have a, a good amount of college education, but that's across both sides, not just a Democrat thing. But just having college education does not mean that we're elite. Uh, uh, and, and much for. Uh, no. Oh, much of the support comes from non-elite people. Exactly. Right, right, right. That, you yeah. need a better circuit. Exactly. I'm just telling you right now. That guy, I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's true. Like, a lot of the things that come from the support as far as voting and all that type of stuff do not come from the elitist part of, uh, 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 or do not come from elite people. Like, there's a lot of regular people who are Democrats, just like there's a lot of regular people who are, who are Republicans. Republicans do not have, or the Reds, do not have the monopoly on regular people. Like, there's regular people on both sides of the other. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's really what it, what it really comes down to. Good job. All right. Thank you, Derek. Thank you. No problem. No All right. Everybody's going to present the red perspective. So the uh, four stereotypes that we have is that we're, uh, that we are racist, that we are greedy, that we are not compassionate, and that we are anti-immigration. So I'm going to do my best to read this small print. Um, so much civil rights um, progress is actually from the Republican Party, um, going back um, to, the, to history, obviously. And then the, the Reds try to avoid um, race-based race politics. So because we don't want to go there, um, we see all people as equal because we don't want to dive deep into racist politics and get drawn into that. We're actually seen as racist, but our, our, our heart is to see that we're all equal. 
So we're, we're more reluctant to dive deep into the racist conversation, not because we're racist, um, because we want to see all people as equals. Um, both sides have, have supported uh, racist politics, and a small, small, is that portion? Yes. Portion <laughs> um, of that has been, I think, exaggerated. So the kernel of truth is, you know, we're human beings, and in, in human beings, we're all racist. There's, you can find racism, you can find bigotry in, in human beings, so they're on both sides of the party. So we'd be, we'd be lying to say it doesn't exist anywhere. So, um, so this, we have some groups, like KKK. Um, we think that like when, when a KKK group is highlighted as representing all of us, we don't think that's fair. But um, um, we, it's a small minority, but it's elevated. And so we all get lumped into this category that we're all racist mentality, and we think um, that's by, by no means represents you know our views. And but anyway, it's highlighted. Um, drug policies uh, tend to impact minority communities. Uh, what was the thought up behind that one? Talk. The thought. Yeah, right, go ahead. <laughs> thought was that because the uh, a lot of the. Uh, emphasis is put on the fact that when you are uh, catching people doing drugs and putting them in jail, incarcerating them, they are a young black man. So because of that, now we're considered to be racist because a lot of the people that are being incarcerated and put in jail that are being highlighted by the media are young black men. So that, yeah, that we're greedy, that, that reds are more physically conservative, and they're tighter with our, our purse strings. So we're less likely just as a parent to give out money, give out, give out money to our kids. You know, if your kids say, I want money for every little thing, and you're giving them all money anytime they want it, we actually think that's not helpful for them. And so we are more, and the name conservatism, right, is we want to conserve money. So we're going to say no to a lot of things, but we actually think that's a good thing to say no, but, but that's perceived as, as, as greedy. So anyway, just as a parent, I'm not greedy with my kids. I just know that I'm going to spoil them if I give them everything that they want. So we think there's a little balance of that. So we, we definitely are um, more, uh, um, more reluctant to just spend money. Um, indirect, uh, super greed, we, um, our, our perspective is that individuals and NGOs, not the government, should be taking care of the communities. Right, so that's the, the, the transition has gone from community-based, religious-based care of the poor, care of your neighbor, to a more government care of your community. And so we're, we, we, we may not be doing that right now as a community and really taking care of our neighbor, but we want to get back there. So we're less, less supportive of the government and saying yes to the programs and care for the poor, not because we don't care for the poor, but we want to shift the responsibility back to the neighborhood, back to the churches, back to the, the neighbors. Local. So, so local. We want local empowerment. We want local. We want to build up the local. And so anyway, so we see government, if it grows, it's actually undermining community. So yeah. we want to empower people. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> sorry. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. So we're not compassionate. Um, we have a different approach to self-reliance. So uh, we're seen as not compassionate, and some of those that I just touched on, you can see that in, in, a, in the context of being less compassionate, but we wanna empower people. We think a top-down government actually creates dependency. We wanna empower people, so we wanna move away from government 
to individuals, and that we're anti-integration. Um, this is a distortion. We don't want illegal immigration. Um, and because a lot of minorities right now are Hispanics, so we're not against Hispanics, but they just, that's the, that's the, the biggest crowd that is, um, that is highlighted right now because the majority of them are coming over the borders. But it's not about anti-Hispanics, it's not about anti-immigration, but it's anti-illegal, and we think that gets um, forgotten in the conversation. So we're, we're about the rule of law, um, and we want we want the rule of law to matter for everybody, no matter what race, you know, you are. Period. So, yeah, you you want to uh, just real quick, uh, Colonel Chu. Yeah. So as far as compassionate, um, scarcity of resources has led some to harsh, harsher policies. Um, consequences, consequence-based policies can be seen harsh. So if you're saying no, that can be seen definitely as not compassionate. When I kicked my son out of the house at 18 years old. That didn't seem compassionate, but um, I had to draw a line. Um, and I got a lot of those as a parent stories. As far as uh, anti-immigration, the um, kernel of truth is Reds do favor strong um, restrictions. So that is true. And there are some anti-immigrants who can't, can't lie and say there are some people who do not want Mexican people, but whatever, you name the category. That is not like them. There are people like that in our party, um, but that just doesn't represent all of us. So there's there's the high speed version of our of our conversation. So that was well done, by the way, summarizers. That was not an easy job. So thank you. Yeah. So here's what we'd like to do now. Before we do lunch, we want to do one last thing with the stereotype exercise, and that's just stop and think. Okay. What did I actually hear from the other side that I found to be interesting, surprising, or whatever it was that it might be? You know, what did you hear that you learned something from? And since Lawrence just volunteered, we'll start with him as a red. <laughs> Whoever's blue, we got Brent going next, and then we'll, we'll just keep going back and forth. No need to go around the table, but I want to mix it up. So Lawrence. Well, you know, I was uh, glad to hear this, and I hear that, you know, the tendencies to that you don't want big government and that you do feel that eventually big government will take over as it does grow and become bigger, I'm surprised to hear that come from the other side. Because, um, you know, I kind of thought that's what you wanted because that's where it's going. Um, and then uh, on the first one with the open borders, well, and DACA, you. You don't want open borders. You don't agree with open borders. But DACA is not equal to open borders. Yeah, it is. So I that's <laughs> not, but I mean, it was good to hear that. That's how you think about that because that was wow. Okay, that's good. I mean, that's yeah. interesting. You know, what I see is what we perceive to be differences is really kind of more of a myth. I see more. Similarities and dissimilarities. Mm -hmm. okay. All people on either sides of the aisle, metaphorically speaking, want the same thing. We all kind of want the same thing. We may approach how we come to our conclusion about what we're doing differently, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. Okay. Super. Evan. Yeah, that, that's good. I, I, I respect that you guys, when it comes to open borders, saying we're not afraid to have a conversation, but just because we want to have a conversation doesn't mean I'm all for it. Mm -hmm. I think that's mature, 
That's like, you know, let's talk about this thing. That's what adults should be doing. So I, I respect that, and that, that was good to hear. Um, what was the other one? I, I like that you talked about uh, social safety net, not necessarily equal, equaling social, a social welfare state. That's our concern, you know what I mean, that that's where it leads. So it's good to hear that say, you're saying, no, that's, that's not where we're going either. Mm -hmm. So um, anyway, so that was, that's great to hear. Great. Hey, one more blue and then we'll pick up Armin. So Judy. Um, so I was, I was interested and, and happy to see in the racist category that you realize that drug policies uh, impact minority communities uh, <coughs> uh, disproportionately. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other one that uh, in the not compassionate area, the kernel of truth you mentioned was that some scarcity of resources has led to harsh politics. Mm. That's important. And also uh, from the blue side, I, I learned that like oh, you don't view open borders, but you want to have an open conversation about mm. reform maybe on that. And I kind of agree with that to a certain extent because some of the illegal immigrants may not necessarily be illegally immigrating if there was a refugee status or I think some of them, you know, are kind of fleeing from you know, humanitarian crisis in a way. And about the, the big government, uh, some, some of the, I think America works better with the delicate blend of socialist and capitalist programs and when those government programs are in place, are taken advantage of fully self-reliance can be attained through that uh, support. Good. And I was loving about the Republicans uh, speaking on empowering the individual, uh, just to empower the individual. It's so important too of an individual to be important in their country. Right? That's what I was just loving about that. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's important. Cure. Huh? I, I, did you have something you want to share? I thought I heard you talking before and I cut you off because I was getting the blue person, but I just want to make sure I didn't leave you out there. That's fine. Uh, I'll go. Another red. Um, nope. Okay. Paul. Uh, so, I mean, I, I find a lot more in common. You know, there, there are connections. Uh, uh, you mentioned, somebody mentioned well, when you were explaining it that servants, that they are public servants because mm -hmm. we the people they work for us and sometimes we forget that and, and that was you know they're, they're, they're not the and that also is covered in the elite ruling class you know or, or ruling class uh, we never can forget that and, and then as uh, far as immigration we're all Americans and I think we understand that and I wanted to make a point in immigration if we can go, go all the way back to Africa and China. That's where it all began, if, if the archaeologists are right, right? That's where the, the, the oldest human beings were found. And so the Palin Indians came here, so we should give everything back to Africa and China. We're all, we're all, that's where it all started. That's where it all came from. We really are more connected than we realize. So and prejudice started there. <laughs> So one of the things that will happen in the afternoon is we'll, we'll do a, a question. We'll come up with questions we want to ask the other side, and the other side will answer. Right now, we're doing a thing that's kind of structured to press us just to listen and not share our views. But there, there's other opportunities coming. So, Derek. You know what? 
I'll hold it. Never mind. Never mind. I, I, my, I, I had some questions, but based off of what you said, yeah. I'll hold it. Sure. Yeah, I'm assuming there may be a few questions that were uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, aroused from these things, but that's, that's part of the plan, but we're going to you know, try and keep it in the box, yeah. so to speak, as we go along, and we'll get to, get to a good opportunity. That's one of the privileges of having a full day session. We do a half day one of these. And people get a little upset because they don't get the chance to do the back yeah. and forth. I'm sorry, but we only had half a day. So. I, for, I forgot to tell Carol that, that that nerd is the new cool, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> That's That's actually, I asked, you know, I asked a couple of friends if they would count. Know, and then I realized always was a nerd still. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing to do, right? Yeah, nerds aren't so bad. Anybody else? One last shot. I thought it was really refreshing to hear um, just kind of the blue side about they are concerned about individual responsibility because mm -hmm. realistically that is like the conservative viewpoint is okay. we still fear socialism like and I, I think that there's a lot of reasons why we fear it um, but it's good to hear that that's not the push mm -hmm. like in the I mean at least amongst you guys so All right. Any other comment to you, Randy? Uh, no, I think uh, I think we're all set to uh, maybe move to lunch. Yeah, and and let me just give a quick word of commendation to you guys for doing a good job of doing what we ask in terms of just following the boundaries enough because we were able to hear and do that. So I just sometimes you wonder what is it you really want? Well, let me just say you guys did a good job of doing what we really wanted. Yeah, yeah, so thank you, yeah, sure. much appreciated. All right. All right. Should we, should we try to uh, do 45 minutes for lunch? Well, 45 minutes for lunch, so we'll try and be uh, starting up sharp at 1 o'clock. Okay, great. Thanks, guys. Food looks like it's ready to go. Nice. Right. Um, I got injured. Remember when I saw it? I was like, oh, you know. Nah, I did it for like three years, and I left it and started doing this. That worked out great. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. No, 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 So I'm gonna look this up right now. <laughs> yeah, you do. Reg's on the inside. Our first job is to just take some time and we'll let everybody weigh in probably before done. But why are kind of the red leaning side of policies uh, good for the country? What are the things that you're saying, hey, this is what's really valuable that we're advocating for, do some things that we're proud of? So let's just focus on that part first. So Kira, I see a volunteer there. Of course, and my party. Um, why the what why the Republican Party is basically best? It is a party of true individualism. It's a party of true uh, economic and fiscal sound. It's it's the, it's the party of the freedom. But um, you know, no one's ever been employed by a poor person. Uh, we talk about rationalized rationing off people's wealth. Uh, no one's ever been employed by somebody poor, and they demonize the rich oftentimes on the on the, on the left. And the fact is, everyone wants a job. Everyone wants more money in their pocket. 
And you know, when you when you set out to get employment, you don't go to the Belmont Skid Row. You go to the guy that gives you suit, you know, on Wall Street. That's just kind of how it is. Trickle down economics does work. So, if, particularly in terms of things that you're saying we're good at, it would be the economic side. Of well, not just economically. Fostering jobs. And we those also foster life. I mean, the other side is kind of grown up. We foster life and it being important, and we foster traditional values that have helped build the country. But, so how about we just tackle one good thing at a time? Start with that. <laughs> so many. I know, but you've got plenty of companionship <laughs> to do this. So we'll keep we'll keep rolling. You'll get other chances to win too. How about others in terms of uh, policies and things about Republican uh, writing? So um, I mean, you could draw everything back to Judea, Christian values, and, and the government, because we we believe that our rights come from our Creator, and which brings it back to self-reliance and. The main difference is we believe in a limited government. The government is only in charge of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, not happiness. Just the pursuit, so you give us the opportunity. The smaller the government, the more free we are, and the more opportunity for everyone, all Americans. The larger government gets, the more it becomes tyranny, and it becomes about, you know, Honestly, you know, we all become slaves to the government. We have to make 60 cents, what is it? No, we have to work for every dollar. We have to give 60, is it 60? No, 60 cents to the government before we get to keep any of it. So, you know, we believe in a limited government and, and, and creating our own wealth. Yeah. Others, yeah. Uh, I've observed that since when the Republicans happen to be So economic vibrance. Yeah, but it's based on stimulate the economy, you know. Maybe yeah. through cutting taxes or whatever cutting or adding is just to stimulate the economy from uh, Okay. Yeah. Other thoughts. For me the um, small limited government is um, really valuable because I want to get maximum maximum opportunity for the most people, not equal results, but maximum opportunity. Um, and then it's the results are on the individual. You can take it or leave it. So I really want people to be empowered. It's not always the easiest thing. I think sometimes the easiest fallback is to have somebody else do something for you. But I know my kids will be sleeping on my couch until they're. And bring, you know what I mean? And I would raise them until they're 40, 50 years old um, if I didn't kick them out of the house at some point. So, um, but I think that's, that's valuable. That's valuable. So for me, just having a limited, smaller government, I'm not saying it always works out that way. Republicans was guilty. I think now mm -hmm. throwing big government as we claim the Democrats are. So I'm not saying I, what I believe is what I see today, but I'm telling you my perspective and where I'm coming from is about lifting people up so they can have, to me this is what made America great, this is why it was the land of opportunity. Um, people came from, risked their 
for to, to come here to for hope. And I don't want to I don't want to lose that. So that's how that's my that's where I'm coming from. Okay. I like the Republican Party because it represents independence and freedom. And that is something that because I've been in corporate America, that's pretty much what you do. They don't give it to you, but you have to earn it and work for it. And there's a sense of pride, if nothing else, to say that you've accomplished something. Um, I understand both sides. And um, part of the reason why I became a Republican was because of the lackadaisical attitude. You want to invent, you want to create, but yet you want the government to, to help you. The government's not going to help you do that. You have to take it, take the initiative yourself and get up and do it. So if you want that, whatever it is, you want that studio, you have to take the initiative and do that. But no one else can do that for you. And those are something, when you say the word freedom, those are something you're thinking of with. Right. That's freedom to do what you need to do. That's freedom. I mean, why wait for someone else to do something? Why wait for the government to give you money to do something? You have a dream, you have a goal, you want to accomplish it, do it. Yeah, it's okay, well, that the freedom piece. So I think when republicanism is done well, it provides maximum freedom. Yeah. And then therefore opportunity to, to succeed or fail. Yeah. And I don't think failure is a bad word. I don't think struggle is a bad word. I don't think long suffering is a bad word because I think it shapes character. Then in the end, we look back and we all have struggles and we persevere. And I think we're better humans and more compassionate human beings because of our struggle, because of our perseverance. Um, so freedom. We'll get to him before we're done. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, at, like, once again, I can't just at this moment cite any specific policies that directly relate, but it seems that it's said that the Republican Party is associated definitely with conservative values. You know? And since I started observing and becoming more familiar with those values before I made a Republican vote, I noticed that fiscal responsibility or college budgeting, uh, how do you say, cutting costs to, to make ends meet in different areas, like really the, the, the focus on financial management mm -hmm. in, in the conservative sense, by practicing that because I don't have a lot of financial resources by far. And by doing that, I ended up kind of maximizing what I do have so that maybe I had a little bit more liquidity in one area to be able to finally capitalize off of a certain opportunity when it came up. Like mm -hmm. Sandy bought a car at Monte Carlo for 90 bucks because I had to, you know, they would capitalize off the opportunity and, and so forth. You know. uh, for example, I cut haircuts out of my budget. I started looking at areas I could cut before I even started looking like increased revenue. You know. might want to check that out more. Cut those haircuts out. <laughs> 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 I cut that out of my budget and I ended up owning my own set of flippers and all the everything and now I have an unlimited amount of haircuts in one hand <laughs> and sometimes make a little money cutting other people's hair. So mm -hmm. that's like self-reliance and you know. But I, I've kind of seen it have effects, positive effects on my own like personally. individual Yeah, which really surprised me, which made me open my eyes a little bit more just to be, you know, open. Yeah. And not close to the blue, not 
Do I post? <laughs> Joel Austin <laughs> picture. I know, I know. I did, I did that before. But anyway, Joel Anderson, he did something for teachers. And now teachers get pensions because of the legislation that put in place. So I really don't think that in all the Republican Party is bad, unless as the, the other side sees it. And if, if they do a little bit more research, they find out that we are trying to do things for people. Well, one serve tea. Um, yeah, I think that the conservative side tends to look out for the whole a lot more than the individual, and I, I honestly think that's way more beneficial as a government because you can't look out for the individual of 350 million or however many people live here. Give us an example. What do you mean by that? I mean, we, we've already talked about like economic policy and before we were talking about immigration, that kind of boils down to you know looking out for the economy of America before looking out for the economy, like just the poor people coming segments. in or whatever. Yeah. Like versus segments. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Well, I wanted to bring it down to a personal level, and that is that you know I grew up very poor, and so I grew up on welfare, and not just me, but So you grow up on welfare and you, you know, looking around, waiting for the government or someone to help you, and no one ever comes in to help you. You know, you're this little kid thinking, wow, where's the help? I mean, I, I hear Martin Luther King talking, I hear all the president talking, where's the real help? I'm not feeling it, <laughs> literally. Mm -hmm. So then later on, I come to listen to this guy named Reagan, and I was like, oh, wow. So I can go out and just do it myself. I don't have to sit around and wait for someone else to do it for me. So then I decided I'm going to go out and do it myself. And I had to have that mindset. So then my mindset was, no, I don't want you to give me anything. Well, here's something for free. No, I don't want anything for free. No, I, here we're gonna, no, I don't want you to give me it. I want to go out and do it myself. Once I had that attitude all the time, I'm going to do it myself, now I'm here. And when I say I'm here from you know being very much impoverished, now I'm, you know, I don't, I mean, I'm self-sustaining. I don't, I'm doing very well. And that mindset I had to get away from, I had to get away from the welfare, the handouts, the, the I need some assistance here to help me do this. No, I can do this. I just need the freedom to do it. And then when I started learning about politics, I started to realize, well, I wanted the freedom to do this. But the government came in and said, if I want to have a barber shop, okay. <laughs> you know, I have to jump through all these regulations and hoops. Well, I don't want to jump through all those regulations and hoops. It's going to cost me thousands of dollars just to cut my son's hair and his friends. I was cutting his hair and his friend's hair and everyone's hair. It's going to cost me thousands, and I don't want that. So that's how I. That's why I think that, and that and family values too, because then I learned when. You know, even though we were poor, we came up with the mindset that, okay, we're going to have these values, church values, family values, where we're going to be family sitting around the table, we're going to get home on time, we're going to follow the rules. We're not going to just do whatever we want to do. We're going to follow rules, even though they may seem like uh, you're preventing me from being free with these rules. No, I'm not. I'm making you better off with these rules. And I come to realize that, well, we want to follow the law. People who want to break the law, 
or skirt it, or if you want to change it, change it through the proper means, not changing it through improper means. But family values, Christian values, those things I like about the conservative party. How much time do we have left, Randy? So we have 10 minutes left. Okay, uh, and we need to do our second part of this in oh. the 10 minutes we've been talking about. Oh, oh yeah, about, about yeah, what you, okay. what reservations you might yeah. have. Yeah, sorry, you, were you going to share something on the, on the plot? plot uh, I, I can be quick. Um, uh, you know, the original um, pilgrims, uh, they tried uh, socialism, and, and it really didn't work until people had their own piece of land to take care of and work, and, and uh, that's when it actually started working. But in the beginning, it was about, you know, everyone worked together and everyone shared, and it really imploded. Yeah. And socialism doesn't work anywhere. 100%. We all know that socialism mm -hmm. will not allow us to have enough money to pay for our poor. I mean, we do have the money to pay for our poor if we use it correctly. We're mm -hmm. not using it correctly. But we were to use it correctly. We have the money to take care of our poor. But because we're fighting all the time, and that's where I was. I was that poor person, and all these people were fighting. I'm saying, well, wait a minute, guys, I'm poor, I'm hungry, the shoes got holes in, I'm like, you know, what well, you guys are fighting, and I'm, I'm suffering here. So then as I grew up and I became empowered myself, I became strong man, I decided, okay, I'm going to do this myself. But we're going to switch to the... Yeah, so just real. flip it around. Something so, works and leaves a maybe downside in, in the policies you're concerned about. The downside in the, you mean in the conservative? Yeah, so as you even get self-reflective about, look, you know, the Republican Party maybe isn't perfect. Here's some things I'm concerned about. Here's some worries I have about conservative policies. Even if they're good, they may have unintended, uh, you know, negative conversations. There's a million ways it could come out, but any reservations or So one of the things is the, the perception 
sometimes of, of, of racism, or as you sort of interestingly put it, they look like plantation owners. Well, so that's an area of concern. Where are we in terms of the resource? Can I come over there? Yeah, sure. I just tried to summarize what you said. Yeah. I, uh, well, so with that, it's funny she used the word plantation. Uh, many blacks, and I'm sure she knows as well, conservative, uh, know one of the party of the plantation party uh, of it, I think my life is like, and you've got to be one thing, and you don't get to stray. Otherwise, we send the dogs after you. It's always been viewed as being the Democratic Party. However, I will give credit to one thing she said about um, it's viewed maybe as racist. Uh, and I would take on Fanny Coulter. She said that, you know, Republicans are viewed as such because they don't, they, don't, they don't reach out. And if you ask where can we look inward, I will say this. I'm a hardcore apologetics and for my party. But one thing we do have to learn is how to reach out to the black community, but not in the way that they may have said to do it. Because uh, Ann Coulter's right, they want us to focus on outreach when they know that we'll spread our base, we'll spread our resources and our time to then the people who coming from a white perspective, unfortunately, blacks won't necessarily be as keen to hearing it if it comes from, say, this guy. But if it comes from, say, me or Tiffany or Lawrence. Lawrence, they might they might uh, be, be uh, receptive, and so they want them to spread themselves thin, unless they ignore their actual base. But the way to get the bigger message out to the black people, uh, if you're a conservative without spreading your base too thin, is to take your Tiffany's, your Kears, your your Lawrence's, your Denise Brellies, your Nigerinuses, your you know conservative figureheads, and those who are black who are conservative, and send them as your proxies out to the black churches and to the urban areas and to the communities where it's most been adversely affected by democratic policies, where there's crime, where there's a lack of you know, proper education, where, where uh, poverty has ensued, and give them, let them put the message out there. So that's one thing Republicans can do. Now I get it, they probably didn't think about that because it's a kind of, it's a very radical idea when you think about it because they're so bombarded with the idea of, oh, they, they hate us, so why even waste our time? No, because deep down inside, I think the majority of minorities, blacks and Hispanics, are very conservative deep down. You know, they want to keep the majority of what they make. They want to keep families intact. They want to keep marriage uh, defined as is. They want, you know, security even on, even on the border. But they're, they're being brainwashed and believing that nothing good comes from the right. And so we have to show them that the, the, the party of true diversity, and diversity comes with diversity of thought, not genitalia or skin color. You can't help those things. Okay, good. Let, Keith. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm a little bit outside, I think, the conservative typical mindset. And I think that a huge part of what makes the Republican Party like kind of on the downside is uh, we're, they're not really open to progressive thought and change. Um, I had something like, I mean, specifically, like, you brought up gay marriage, like, who really fucking cares? I do. Like, it's, does it affect your life? It actually does. It, it doesn't. <laughs> Let's look. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, so that's, that's kind of my thought is, is we're not we're not looking at the world as it is today and being accepting of outside thought. Like, yeah, um, you may be coming from a Judeo-Christian mindset. I am too, but it doesn't. There's no 
it's it's not connecting to the people who aren't. So you're not you're not building your your thought process behind what are their values. You're building it behind yours and enforcing that on other people. And I see that really on both sides, but I see it a lot more on the Republican side, forcing thought that other people already don't share. I, I agree with that. I think that it, there is you know more progressive you know progressive ideas, particularly the. Uh, Marriage between uh, same-sex marriage. You know, a lot of conservatives believe that that, that it is none of their business. It's their it's their right to to do that. The only the only thing that I see is that sometimes the other, the, the the left will demonize the person that believes that marriage is between a man and a woman, and that they will uh, throw hatred towards them just because of that, because they have the right to have marriage between. You know, same-sex marriage, if that's what they believe, but the other people, but but someone that believes that it's between a man and a woman doesn't. It has to go both ways, mm -hmm. just like with yeah. But to keep it on the issue of what are some of the weaknesses here. So I, I would say, I mean, that they, they hold it to you know some are just you know um, they're not open to it. You know, right. we, we have to be open to everyone's yeah. I mean, yeah, more give me. No, I was directing. I would also say that the. I think Evan should go next. I would just say real quick, there are certain things we should be doing. Question anything anybody does, you are. What's the word? I'm a traitor. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you. So I ran the grassroots Republican Party in my area. So guess what I did is I reached out to the Democrat, my opponent, built a relationship with him, and spoke at his club because I'm a Christian first. So I do human being relationships over politics. But um, and I wanted to understand where he was coming from, and I didn't need to hate him. I wanted to understand, and we built a friendship, and he's gay, and I mean, all, all of it. I mean, I, and I didn't care. I didn't care. I could be meaningless. But my own party looked at me like so suspicious, right? And I, I learned to tell him the reason I do it, I'm a Christian first, and I'm a politician later. So anyway, um, so there's a, there's a suspicion. Like if I, had, if I was at the table and said, let's talk about open borders, just because like what I heard you guys say, I just want to have a conversation. Let me, let's just talk about it. Man, I'm gonna be you're in trouble. Oh my god. <laughs> so I don't I, I, I want the freedom um, to have these conversations because I think we should have adult conversations and okay. not be So I so I hate to do this. I heard you know, but we've had our fun in the fishbowl and we gotta let the others dive in. So uh, well, let's go ahead and on, on the outside, can I ask a question? On the no, outside just uh, for process? You so we'll have not, not about what's been said, oh, but sure, about the process. Because sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, I know time, you, you, your guys' job is to stay on time. 
But in the idea of, of the essence of what Better Angels is trying to do, is, it, is there value in, in letting it finish? Like, like, can I ask, like, the entire group, like, are you all okay if we go over time a little bit in the idea of trying to really yeah, get like ideas out? I'm just asking. I don't know. Uh, I, you know, I'm just I throwing think it out. We're better off keeping with okay. the basic boundaries, all right, all right. and then Hold at up. the end, Hold those up. who want to hang around, we're happy to let those those things trickle. Yeah. No, and I appreciate it. No doubt. The fact that some of the policies that Democrats are putting in place and have put in place give you the freedom of choice, and um, they fight for reproductive health that can actually benefit the person families um, that may be economical it may be a social or physical right but at the end of the day it's a personal choice and I, I value that I also value the fact that <clears throat> democratic uh, in in my thought and I, I'll challenge it just just the same but for the sake of this question the democratic values also kind of serve as an accountability framework for democracy and a reminder as to why democracy is put in place within policies. That's what I like to think. I feel that the Democratic Party really more understand more depth of the community of what the issues are over the years. I've seen more, when it's time for election, you see more depth of the Democrat coming more depth into the community, in front of the community, speaking to the community, sitting down with the community besides just waving by trying to get some counts where all of them come for the same counts but it's a different feeling when a democrat comes they make you feel more comfortable because they can use the right words and they know exactly what to say for the issues that you're going through it's kind of like going to church the pastor knows exactly what to say he'd say 20 words is going to one of them words going to eliminate what's going to be about what you feel so um, the democrats have me to feel that I feel, oh my God, yeah, you said it, oh yes! <laughs> That's what I want to hear. At the same time, you have to just be judgmental for yourself to choose. I, I think a continuation of, of a few things have been said, um, it's not just about the bottom line. And I think throughout my uh, growth, in my, I guess in my political self, uh, that's something that is just a real big alignment with me. Um, I get the idea of putting things in place for people to be able to make money, but this world that we live in is not just about money. It's not just about uh, economic growth all the time. There's people, you know, and uh, coming up with ways to be thoughtful around how what is happening in this country impacts people and decisions that are made and how that impacts people. Uh, I, just, I just felt that there was more of an alignment there uh, for me with, with the blues rather than the reds. Okay. Okay. I guess I think that the blues, um, you know, I, I go back to the saying about your strength overdone is your weakness. I think that's true of both sides. Mm -hmm. I think the Democrats, strength overdone is their weakness, um, tends to be um, more protective, I guess, of the whole. So when I think of uh, climate change 
when I think of the mining industry, when I think of uh, West Virginia, when I think of what corporations left on check without a moral compass have done in terms of making money that does not necessarily um, go to the workers and the pensions. Um, Blankenship, I think, is our most recent example of, of that in terms of the way he ran the mines. I think the Democrats have a better handle of looking, I've appreciated the whole, and trying to figure out if they're, what is needed to control it, what is needed to keep it in check? What is needed to push it forward? Um, um, on, the, on the downside, um, and I think on, on both, I mean, I, you know, I really, when I heard the Republican, and I, and I knew it ahead of time, but when I heard it, I so appreciated, you know, um, you know, I am an individual, you are responsible for yourself, you grow up, uh, you get yourself a job, and you, you work your ass off, and uh, you know there's not necessarily going to be a social uh, security net there. However, there are a few people who need a security net, and we should have that security net. Um, you know, and like most families, I think I think I've got both. You know, I've got those that have really needed the social security net, net who, by the way, voted for Trump, um, and and then those that I thought, you know. You didn't need that social security net, and you needed to be responsible for for growing yourself and being in, and being independent. But for for right now, um, you know, I, I think what has held me to the Democratic Party is this feeling that the whole is looked at in terms of the whole, and sometimes what is what is needed to prevent us from falling off a cliff. Uh, both. Well, and I'm just going to leave that. I the Democratic Party is so important to communities because they kind of like uh, their own FBI because there's a lot of propaganda been going on for a genocide in our communities, kind of demolish certain nationalities and the population of people. So it's kind of like the genocide movement that's been going on that the Democrats actually get people bust, kind of like the crack era. I mean, who brought that up? Who busted? You know, to make that. This is this is a reservation uh, right. that you're saying you're bringing yeah, up about like your own party. Why I like okay. the Democratic Party because mm-hmm. they're able to put people on front street mm-hmm. when something go wrong and call them. We got the pros and the cons of government. Mm-hmm. You got some pros and you have some cons. Sometimes the cons call the pros. Sometimes the pros call the cons. <laughs> Not just like the Democratic Party because they fight. Even though we all vote even for our government, I can see that they fight for certain situations when it's time to own up to the truth, they own up to the truth, mm-hmm. whether somebody else lies. <laughs> and the truth is in your face. But hey, that's what I believe the Democrat Party fights for the truth in this time. Mm-hmm. Thanks. 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 You know, a lot of phrases get tossed around and words get tossed around and the common man doesn't go get it. He doesn't well, what is he talking about? So I'm gonna use this phrase, top-down politics, right? You have to be, you know, you have to look at it, and you have to see it's, 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 it's gravitational descent down to the people that quote unquote could benefit from policy written by, from the top down. Um, someone made a comment about 
I think it was Evan, about more localized forms of government because what's, what happens in Washington may not get to California for 20 years. So we have to pay a t more closer attention to what's happening locally, like your city councilman. You know, it's a good place to start. So when you're trying to look from the top down, there's levels to this thing, and like if you don't understand, if you're not an astute individual, you can get lost, and by the time you wake up, the game is over. So, so is this an example of a reservation you might have about uh, blue policies, or, or is this an example of something that, that blues do well? I kind of feel like, you know, by the time it does make its way down to local government, it's still kind of intact that the intent of the people at the top that were given, that wrote the policy, by the time it made it down to the local levels of government, it's still pretty much in its form that can benefit people that are disenfranchised. Mm -hmm. And I use that term disenfranchised. Not everybody is, but... I believe government should work for people that are disenfranchised, red or blue. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I think that's the optimal idea, like uh, others have stated. Okay. Well, our reservation. Well, I mean, it, it, we're, we're almost that's around. Yeah, we're about to the halfway point. If you guys okay. would like to switch, we don't have to do absolutely 50-50. If you guys do have a few more points uh, that yeah. you'd like to raise in, in, in positive mm -hmm. of blue policies, you're welcome to do that, but, we'll, but we should switch soon. Okay. I just wanted to add um, one of the positives, and it's, it, kind of, it came to me after like listening in, is that I do feel like democratic policies they add a two two things uh, checks like a moral checks and balances to policy because of a lot of the protective clauses, be it health care reform or even the bankruptcy reform back in um, two thousand eight when things were changing and outsourcing was out of this world. Um, there are some differences in that policy, though. But in this, for the um, for the positive notes, um, there was a lot thrown out there between environmental policies, uh, bankruptcy policies, and, and outsourcing policies that crashed our economy here in the US. I feel as though we, we really fought for timelines so that if 20 years from now, um, someone else would have a benefit to be elected in office, we could change policies, but at least make our way to keep our eyes on policies and protect them until we get to this point or until leadership changes. And then the other thing is, I think that another um, uh, positive for our policies is that we're starting, we're getting better at opening up policies that will affect and speak to generations to come, that will affect generations. A lot of politicians, um, Blue Red and whoever else, uh, they speak it like, oh, we'll protect the future generation. But now we're starting to call out what that future generation looks like and how it will affect from boomer to millennial. And I think we need to have, differences-wise, I think we need to go into really uh, putting thumbtacks into those specific areas because we're at a time in our policy making, our leadership development, um, and voting in um, elected officials, really identifying how and who these policies are going to affect people that are disenfranchised to people who wait, who make astronomical sums of money in a global economy. Um, you want to start off the? To, well, no, that's, I think it's kind of piggybacking off of what what was last said. 
actually from the last two comments, I think one of the one of the drawbacks is that there's this belief that federal governance can solve all problems, right. and uh, I think that's problematic, right? For many different reasons. One, uh, uh, the the reason why we're at such a disadvantage in in the federal space now, like as far as what the House and the Senate looks like, uh, why we lost the presidency is because there's this emphasis on on moving things moving things through Washington. But even even here in the state of California, it's the same thing. Like there's different policies that should affect uh, the entire state. Uh, things that might be good, but those things got to try to get pushed through Sacramento rather than having conversations with local people in local local spaces, right? Um, so uh, I, I think there needs to be an adjustment in the way that that is looked upon because when you start having conversations on the local space, uh, you begin to see that the implementations of some of these ideas you think are great from a from a blanket look across the country may not actually impact these individual communities uh, uh, in in a in a positive way, uh, so I think we need to pay, put put some emphasis on that. Uh, and and the second thing is, um, oh man, I had, I had it, so I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna let it go. Pass it around. I'll let it go. I'm sorry. Yes. I think it is a strength. Your strength overdone. So it's too much government. Mm-hmm. Too much control, too many regulations. Working in the school district and you had an audit and, and I hated the government. <laughs> I mean, so I think, and, and then you lose sight. The farther away you are from where that money is going, the less you know about, about the need there. So it's this, this continuum that finding some middle between individual responsibility and you are going to be held accountable uh, for your life and for your children's life, etc., and and this other need to be able to protect the environment, to protect the water, to protect—you get the idea. Mm-hmm. So it's somewhere. We just—it seems like the pendulum has swung, and I think—and I do think—I do think that the that Trump has at this particular point has really caused this pendulum to slam up against one wall. And I'm sure that, that um, those that are very supportive of that probably thought that of Obama, perhaps. Um, but this, this pendulum cannot seem to find some middle. And that breaks my heart because our ability to have these conversations has almost been lost. Uh, any other ref- uh, reservations about blue policies? Yeah, um, coming from top-down government and the blues, the people, the majority of the people that I can identify with kind of look like me, and so they kind of understand. And I don't want to always make it seem like there's a plight with us, but there kind of is. And so they become, at a federal level, they become carrot gangers. You know, uh, so people down here at the local level will look at that carrot up there, but the reality is you're not going to get that carrot. Mm. You're not going to get it. So you need to redirect your vision locally. You know, uh, people need to, we need to have more conversations locally within our communities, like Renzo talks about, and see what we can do to engage local government mm-hmm. to get things done. Not for our own personal needs, but for the needs of the community. Like, 
I mean, come on. <laughs> At the end of the day, I mean, what do you really need government to do? Hey, the environment, protect the environment. If there's a need for environment to be protected, then we need to call on our elected officials and say, hey, uh, it's kind of messed up over here. Uh, we need public works to come over here and take care of this. So start there. People need to start there and learn how to engage government instead of having these huge expectations, right, that really can't fit into the needs locally. Okay. We've, so we've had a, a lot of a lot of discussion about the tension between national and local policies. Um, so that's that's definitely something that's emerging. Are there any other areas where where you guys think there are issues with with blue policies? I do. I think. Um, go ahead. I, I just <clears throat> three points short and sweet. Um, I think that our blue policies, be it new policies or old policies revisited, really need, we need stronger messaging. I think we need stronger messaging in our policy that reflects the people, the real true people that the policy actually impacts. And I don't think it's enough diversity in that voice and in that message coming from our party. And I also think that, um, Granted, we are starting to elect more women in politics. I think that the grassroots effort in that from a national level is picking up, but I, I, I hate to see, let me backtrack because I don't like the word hate. I dislike seeing um, what's needed become trendy. And I, I see sometimes out of habit, historical habit, our party responds uh, out of a frenzy sometimes when things are on the line coming up towards an election year and a very important election year these past several years. So that um, is something that we can improve upon. And then in addition to that, it makes leadership unfocused and they become responders versus leaders to really stand fast and stay the course. And so I think we can do better at staying the course within our policy and the people we serve as, as a constituent. And from a bipartisan perspective, I think that we do reach out an olive branch way more often to other parties than we need to. And it's time to like really get our house in order with focus and have bipartisan policies that make sense for everybody because we are in such a shambles in a social need for in an economical crisis, um, that it's something that we really need to focus on and have it to be a true smart policy. Yeah. And, and we only have a minute or so left, so if you guys could keep it relatively short, so we'll get both of you. Um, I mean, we have a problem in trying to call ourselves empowering. I mean, I'm Jesus Christ God all the way, but when you're trying to empower churches to send Christians, uh, you got to understand there's 3,000 different types of Christians. Uh, I mean, religion is game banging. In my community, because you got Christian Baptist, yep. Church of God in Christ, yeah. <laughs> Missionary Baptist, yeah. and evangelists. But the government and us, we couldn't put these people in control of our community, which they don't help our community. They help their congregation. Facts. So we have to recognize who we're really giving the power to Facts. for our community and recognize that we at fault. Because the people, it's not everybody's not about religion. Some people about spirituality. Some people believe in the tide. Or, you know what I'm saying? So you can't just say give it to the Baptist churches for the Baptist people because you have Caucasian Baptist people for say. So you can't just target. You can't just keep on targeting the black area because the churches don't care about the community. They care about their congregation. It's two sets. 
You got Section 8 housing, you got Section 8 residential. Derek, you want to have the last word? And that's the time. I'll leave it on that one. All right. All right. On are, we, are we? You've got about a minute and a half. Left. Oh, I'm sorry. I, got, I guess I got the time okay. wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Please, Judy. Uh, I'll add something else that I like about uh, the Democratic Party, and I'm not quite sure that this is only the Democratic Party that um, goes there, but I, I sort of feel like it is. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, that the Democratic Party seems to be more open to listening and more open to um, trying to present a more balanced position. For instance, I'm thinking of NPR and PBS, which mm -hmm. are um, both, I would say, although they, they try their best to be even-handed, um, you, you know that they're more left-leaning than right-leaning. Mm -hmm. But they do present um, other points of view on there. That said, I don't listen to the cable news networks, um, so maybe I'm wrong there. Um, but that, that's what I feel is positive about the uh, Democratic Party. Just want to throw the elitist part, right? Mm -hmm. There is this vibe that mofos feel like they do know better. You know what I mean? And um, I think part of that is because we have leadership that has been in their seats for decades and are not even looking to relinquish their seats of power so that there can be some other voices that may be a little bit more in touch with what's going on in these communities. Not, not even just local, like, like when, when you start talking about some of, the, um, some of the social issues, a lot of those social issues, they're looking at the major cities but, uh, but that, that is not just America. Like America is more than just Philadelphia and LA and, and uh, uh, Miami or New York. You know what I mean? Like, or uh, it is Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It is um, um, uh, uh, Louisville, Kentucky. It is Virginia, West Virginia. It is Tyler, Tech. you know what I'm saying? Like all these other places, but you got these folks who are entrenched like I love Auntie, I love I love uh, Auntie Waters, man. Like I do, I love her. But she been in power for a minute. Oh my God! Please. You know what I mean? Like Maxine Waters has been in her seat for a minute. You know what I'm saying? And like, right. And and if you look at her team, her team, like I could see if she had it, she if she had like a team of folks that look like me trying to help her do what she needs to do. But that's not the case. It's not the case. So I know that she is advocating for. I'm not. I'm not saying that Maxine Waters is not doing a good job. But what I'm saying is, like, it's not always reflective of what's really going on. They got a lot of old school values and a lot of new things. Is that no five? Is 2018? Come on. All right. Thank you guys very much. We're we're done with time. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna re regroup at the the main table. And we're going to actually report back uh, in a similar manner to what we did in the previous exercise about think about what you learned about the other side. All right? That wasn't much of a spin, but we'll take what we did. All right. So we're going to go question for question, right? They, yeah, well, question they answer, yeah, they ask questions. Let me give a quick review of the, of the plan here. I okay. will give you, let me actually double check how much time. Yeah, so we'll basically have five minutes per question. So that means a total of 40 minutes because we have a total of eight questions, four from each side. 
So basically, you guys will start, Blue will start by asking one of your questions. You guys on the red side will get five minutes to respond to that. And by the way, I'll, I'll kind of keep my moderator hat on, but it's okay for you guys to ask follow-up questions to responses. Here's a place we can go back and forth a little bit okay. um, to, to seek clarification, because it's really hard to get everything packed into a question, as I'm sure you guys know by now. So uh, this is a chance that we'll actually give it a little bit of back and forth. And I will try and keep my eye on the uh, time thing, because this really goes by in a hurry if we don't have such a and I don't mind if we decide we want to talk about one question a little longer. Just realize we'll be doing that at the expense of time to talk about it. So we'll have to try to keep going some of that. Got it. All right. Okay. Lou, give us a question. The lady. Oh, yes. well, really? Lena, you're lucky winner. Um, All right. Question number three. Oh, let me read on this. You got it. Sorry, my notes. Our question number three. Well, one. Are there residual impacts from past racist policies and if so, what can be done to address them? Okay, repeat that again? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Are there residual impacts from race, from past racist policies? What can be done to address them? I want to say absolutely. Like, there's no doubt about it in my mind. Like, um, for me, I see it a lot specifically with drugs. Um, marijuana was originally outlawed to hurt the Mexican population because they're the ones who were smoking it. Um, and that's kind of propagated a lot into what fills our jails today at the cost of the taxpayer, which is, you know, like opposite of what conservatives think anyway. Like, we don't want to be spending money. Um, you know, you guys might have a lot more to say, but that's like initially like always what I think about is like our drug policy is kind of shit. Um, about that question, maybe down lower than the federal level, because it's not a big package, but maybe at least on the state or closer to local level, state at least. Policing policies possibly should be changed to address those racist uh, effects that still live on the society. Policy change in specific regards to policing is. I guess the absolute uh, authorization of use of deadly force, you know, in, in, in favor of uh, officers who do so, despite, you know, evidence that suggests otherwise about the necessity for that force that has been used, mm. or also the withholding of certain evidence that would clearly express that. So maybe there should be, a, definitely there should be a change of policy with more accountability as far as policing is concerned. Okay, so two things that both drug policy and also police uh, violence issues, and, and Paul, any things that you well, add on that? I mean, I think obviously, you know, nobody wants to be racist, and if there's an impact, then the policy should be changed. I guess you'd have to be specific in what, what policies we're, we're talking about. Um, I think that uh, we should enforce what Martin Luther King wanted us to, you know. We should judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. And I think that if, yeah, I think there are a lot of policies that, that put people in groups, that divide people, and we should change them, and it's up to us to really decide, you know, you know, we gotta stop, we gotta stop being divided and stop 
So their their so question was actually asking you to identify. Do you what, see what they are? I mean, but I mean, well, if, I think if, we, there's a lot of things that divide us right now. Are they policies? Yeah. Um, well, okay. I, I don't. I don't think it's right to to. I mean, we're we're all in this whole thing of, of diversity, but you you can't you can't uh, decide who's going to be in based on your color of your skin. You should be you should uh, you know be rewarded for the the content of your character. So, for example, my wife is Chinese, and and right now the Chinese are like or Asians are you know there's a small portion that can get into college because there's so much competition and so there's a limit and the Asians have been divided into like eight groups now mm. to, to, to have more control so I think when you check that box why are, why are we white you guys are blacks or African-American and then the Asians have eight and I would say that's that's really about dividing. I think also um, the fact that everything's in Spanish right now is not about an accommodation. I think it's about not it's about votes and power. And I think it's you know, you, you want people to assimilate. My grandfather came from Cuba and he he spoke Spanish, he assimilated and, and I know there, there's just a choice, and if there's policy for, for to to encourage people not to assimilate, then it then it 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 it, 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 it does cause racism. Quick, do you, is there a follow-up question you guys like to ask on this, or have they covered enough to? Can I actually ask you a follow-up question before you yeah, do? Go for it. It's, go for it. it seems like that's coming from somewhere specific. Yeah. And where where is that question coming from? So right? so the, the question. It was residual impacts from past racist policies. So I, I, I appreciate, I want to say I appreciate the thought process immediately going to policies that we have today that are still racist because there is the vibe across both sides that there are still that exist. But like past, past um, uh, policies like Jim Crow and past policies like uh, uh, the, three, the three-fifths you know, constitutional yeah. in the constitution like though the residual impacts of those things yeah. still existing today and yeah, exactly so exactly so so the thought is okay well if you feel like there is residual impacts then what can we do to like about solve those. that issue you just, know what just one quick interjection on that yeah absolutely. you said about the jim crow like some effects i might be able to see still today off of that is you know if you're out on the street walking or driving especially in certain neighborhoods, in the evening after certain times, it seems like uh, if you're African-American, black, maybe Latino too, but you're targeted more by law enforcement as if Jim Crow laws were still in effect. You know? So you're picking up on this answer to <coughs> yeah, the question, yes, there are still residuals. And see an example of that now mm-hmm. that he mentions past yeah. policies that are still affecting us today. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. then one of, one of, to piggyback off of this as well, um, one of the issues brought up was reparations and slavery. Uh, recently, there's a, a national memorial on lynching to help address race in America and really get to the root of the policies and the residual impact, the PTSD impacts, the mental health impact, and the economic disparities when it comes to uh, black people being enslaved in America and just the, the impact of that um, economically. 
And so when you look at it from a reparations perspective and a policy perspective to kind of keep people in line, how do we heal and rectify, you know, reconcile those type of differences moving forward? So we're probably at a point we should move to this next question. Because oh, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, I think you got some of that. And in five minutes, I don't think we're solving that one anymore. We're not. <laughs> but I just had to put it out there. <laughs> Fair enough. There. No, no, but I, I definitely right? appreciate the answers, yeah. though, because especially the, the drug piece, the, the, you know I mean? Even looking at... Um, uh, when when affirmative action was put into place, there was there was a, uh, an intention, and I, I'll be honest, like the, the the way that that actually got played out and how it got administered may not have been as beneficial to all sure. communi- communities of color, mm-hmm. right? And and I think the idea is like, well, what can we do to address some of these things that have come down on both sides racially mm-hmm. that impact people and, and fits them together? Yeah, I didn't know that. Eight breakdown. Yeah, when well, you look I at the census, know. man, it's crazy. Yeah, the census is crazy. More check boxes show up every yeah. census. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Over to the red side. Question yeah. for, for the blues. Yeah, you want that start? Sure. Well, it's right there. You can use that too. Yeah, you can. Uh, well, number four, right? Uh, you mentioned good immigration policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would some of the restrictions be that you would be in favor of? What are some restrictions? What are some of the restrictions you would favor? I can speak first. So one of my thoughts to immigration is back to the point, tell me your name again? Paul. What Paul means. Everything in Spanish. I mean, I speak English just because I was told I was supposed to speak English. Um, But I'm also learning Spanish because it's the main, it's the main language, quote unquote as it is mainstream. So I would like to see more things translated in languages that are beyond Spanish and Mandarin when it comes to immigrants. I like that word sometimes. But when it comes to immigrants assimilating into our, into our country is to have, have them um, speak English as their first language and then on the flip side, provide more materials that also represent the immigrants that are being um, that are gaining citizenship, be it, I don't know all the languages um, Africans speak or people from you know other countries that are people of color, um, but it would, it would be helpful if we had more translations than just two to three um, to reflect. But at the end of the day, everybody should speak English and we shouldn't go backwards. I feel like if you're in the United States of America, then your culture, hold on to your culture, but make an effort to speak the native language is which we're redeeming to be English. Yeah. See, I, I, I gotta push back on this. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's okay. I gotta push back on it a that's little fine. bit because, well, well, let me ask a question for clarification: Is English the official language of America? No, it doesn't it's, have an official, not, an official language, right? So, but, so I mean, I would. I know majority of us sing it. But by no, we function don't. and operation, it's the, it's the modus operandi. I, I, I understand. It's but the but, but to, to the point, to that point, right? All these other countries around the world, you got I, I, people speak multiple languages, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I understand. I hate the word assimilation. I, like, I do too. I, to, to assimilate. <laughs> but but I, I feel like in this idea of us becoming a better nation, could we not be figuring out ways for, for all of us to be learning things together, right? Can I, can I address that? Yeah, absolutely. Because, because 
years ago when the Italians and when everybody came here, they spoke different languages. I mm -hmm. mean, that's why we have Little Italy, we have Little Armenia. I mean, people and they still do. tend to want to go, you know, where they feel comfortable yeah. and can understand each other. But, but we never had a different language. I mean, you could literally, um, because of technology, you can get every language, right? And all I'm saying is, we are all Americans. We are the melting pot. And when you, when you, when you accept, you know, when that's there, then the other language is certain. Everyone should learn five languages. But that's that's on you. You learn it right. because you want to communicate with 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 everyone. I mean, Mandarin. I mean, we should all learn Mandarin, right? Because China's like going to dominate the world, right? They own us. <laughs> so, <laughs> may, so, may as well learn it. And all I'm saying is, because they're, I mean, I, I just think it doesn't, it doesn't help the individual to, to come here and, and have the school teaching them in, a different, in their language. My daughter came here and she so said, this, let, me, let me send, this, this is okay. a chance for them to respond okay. to questions. Yeah, right. so what I, what I, my answer is this, what I run into I go to different mental health meetings and right. stuff, you know, because I got that billion dollars, so I represent the community, I'm a vendor, consumer. But what I realize is when I'm in these meetings, they have different culture organizations. Sure. So they have the AAA, is the African American Association, then they have the Latino, then you have, but what the funny thing is, when they mention in this meeting about African Americans, the first race they say is African, then they say African American. And I said, just say, she was just saying that American should be the first language. I'm sitting there saying, African, they say African first, and they say African American second. And then just like, wow, what is going on? Just, are we first as Americans, as a, as a black man, or are we African, are we second? Or do we speak English first, or do we speak Spanish second? It's the same thing that made me feel when I hear this. We all came from it's different culture, like you said, it's eight different types of Asians. Mm -hmm. So now I realize that it's yeah. different types of. It's just a little bit more on the question from them. Yeah. I just want to yeah. get a little more clarification, like as far as what type of restrictions or. As far as immigration policy, yeah. we got, we got even enforcement on, you know, people entering the country from, I got without uh, uh, legal status. You know, people just breaking in without. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, I, I, I think, what would you be in favor of? Yeah, I, would, I would be in favor of actually having a protocol where before somebody even get over here, you have a route and bylaws before you even step through the door. So when you come through, it's no excuses. You can't wait till somebody get over here and then give them the rules. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if we're going to have control of who come over, we should have protocol before they come. We already should know if I'm in Texas and you in Florida, and we run into the same people. We send them to your facility first. You tell them something. We send them to your facility second. You tell them something. But they understand from both of y'all the same story. These are people that, like, say, they're not being allowed in. They say, like, breaking in. So many government don't even know they're here, right? In, so what about that? Actually? We ready for the consequences. I think it should be structured for consequences. Because when you break rules, you break rules. The rules are everywhere you go. Right. Uh, no matter if you, whatever country you come from. You break a rule in your country. That's why you're running from your country. See, but but I, I do I do want to say to the point as far as as far as good policy, good immigration policy, right? And the idea of of people who we if, if we're being real, like sometimes there are folks who get lucky. <laughs> you know, you broke the rules, but you got lucky, right? And, I, and my thing is, if this is a person who 
has has gotten a job, has been paying taxes, has been you know been able to been a beneficial sure. to the community. Uh, I think there should be a criteria, some boxes that got to be checked with some references Progress. the whole nine for you to get added to the line without being afraid of being deported, right? Yeah. Um, uh, and, 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 and some safety into saying, okay, well, you check these boxes, you lucky, but you check these boxes, get in this line. But for those who have not, then yeah, I understand. Like, nah, you gotta go, fam. Like, like we, we can't do that. Now, as far as DACA is concerned and, and the Dreamers, I mean, like this whole idea of sending them back to Ecuador they ain't never been there before in their life. Like, yeah. well, man, that's heartless. Yeah, that's, 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 that's shit is heartless. Right. So I agree. The law would prevent something like that because now there's no more people breaking in. Not necessarily. Not necessarily because so, I can just put a ladder to a law. To a law. That they're here, born here, so you shouldn't send them back. So if you prevent less break-ins. You know, I, I give you on that, but I, I think it's, it's I, don't, I don't know if I should do a physical wall. But if we're going to really be serious about this, then we definitely need to put more funds and more people uh, in for enforcement of the law. You see what I'm saying? And I don't think so, we're doing that. We're not talking about that. Did, did you feel like that's some hope, Samantha? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I don't know if y'all agree with that, but I'm sorry. Yeah, on, on that note. Actually, happy to let you, we don't have to, there's no like magic rule we have to get through all these questions. Okay. As long as we have a good no, these questions are good important. It sounds like that was actually fairly well dealt with, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we can move on to next question from the blue folks. Absolutely. You want, you want to ask the next one? <laughs> Should welfare, social safety social net, net yeah. exists, and who should receive it? Who should provide it? So should there be a social safety net? Who should receive it, and who should provide it? Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> yes. Take that, Keith. I think a social safety net should exist. Uh, I think it's important because we're trying to make every bring everyone up, right? And that there should definitely be limits to what that is. Um, like uh, she mentioned, she was on social security, and it seemed like she was like. Republicans hate Social Security. It's not true at all. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I'm, I'm for Social Security. I'm for unemployment. Like, I mean, there's probably a time limit on you know, how long it takes you to get a job. But like, there's, there's definitely benefits to the society as a whole to having certain social safety nets. I would, I would take uh, whoever needs it. You know, because there, there are people that need help, and and and, and it's our—I think it's our responsibility—to uh, help. Uh, most uh, hospitals are were St. Joseph, St. John's, because it was the people that actually supported the hospital instead of the government. And the problem is sometimes I think if you create so much dependence, you know, on the government, then there's no need to work because. There's so much that is attached. Because right now in, in government, in particular California, when you qualify for one, you qualify for everything. So it encourages people not to work. And it should be, people are, are people that, of course, we should be there for people to help because we all are here together. But you have, to, you have to set limits and then you have to encourage them to get out and to be self-reliant. You know, so it has to be structured in a way. Hmm. 
that 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 it encourages that and it and it produces that. If you, yeah. If you don't, then it can people take advantage of it because sometimes people just aren't good. I feel you on that. I think uh, there should be social safety nets. I think people that should get it should be those who are determined as qualified by professionals in that industry. You know that can give a proper diagnosis of whatever's the need and I think the people that should pay for it is you know, a small socialist type of idea of all of us collectively the pot pitching in to whatever social nets that's needed limited to some extent of course to those who need it while they need it and yeah, like, um, taxes are okay I'm going back to where this, this question came up is because it was asked that knowing that um, the Republicans used the word poor neighborhoods mm-hmm. and they saying the word poor mm-hmm. so they mean they know it's people poor out there in the United States right mm-hmm. so what is so hard to help people with welfare why you don't want to give up welfare if you know this specter of people are poor because there could be other root causes for that mm. community to be poor. Like, it could be entrenched in, like, gang life. Caused by the government. I mean, there's, there's tons of reasons. Yeah. But, like, you can't, you can't just make a blanket statement that everyone should be able to get welfare because then you create the welfare state and you don't empower people it's, to bring themselves out. It's kind of like uh, Al Sharpton. Mm-hmm. Everybody think Al Sharpton came from the ghetto. Mm-hmm. Al Sharpton didn't come from the ghetto. Al Sharpton came from a rich family. His father ran on a steel mill. And the reason why I'm saying this is because a lot of times we get the wrong perspective about a person. He became poor and he became living in a project. And that's why he became a political leader for people of poorness because he was rich. And he felt that knowing how to be rich to being poor. So the whole fact is, far as the, um, this question, back to the label of poor, but it's hard to help the poor. I, I think it's 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 uh, it's more important to create a job right. for the for the poor. A job creates uh, helps the middle class and everyone. Uh, I, I keep going back to China. Sorry, <laughs> but we all came from there in Africa, right? So China produced. China took seven hundred million people out of poverty. Seven hundred million. In, in the shortest time in history in the world. So, um, and they did that because they allowed people to buy property and to manufacture things in free market. It's hard, well, it's a communist country. It's a communist country. All I'm saying is it's, it's a, it was a job. It I got you. A job I get that. I, I, I created it. Let me just pick up one of the things that you mentioned in your question that I'm not sure has been fully addressed, and that's the who pays for it. Now, when you said that, what remind I thought of was the comment that this should be done by churches NGOs and, and churches NGOs. And, and I was wondering if that was lur- lurking that there. Was that, the, that was part of the basic yeah. that question. So, so how it's like the who and the how. Yeah. Like, yeah. And if it is the NGOs yeah. and, the, and the churches, like how does that work? And, and how do we roll that think, Thinking about, in my mind, I'm thinking about we just lowered taxes, especially on businesses. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that money didn't go nowhere except for in the pockets of the companies, corporations, and the people who own them, right? And so, what does that actually look like? 
know what I'm saying? Well, you can't church I, afford it since they don't pay taxes. Nah. Well, exactly. I, 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 coming from somebody who, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a preacher's kid. And so, like, the, the church population that we had, like, there was, there was definitely only about 130 people who came to the church. And the amount of money that was going to the church from, from people's donations is not enough money to take care of. I, I also work at a nonprofit organization. And, and just to run one of the programs is, is, is more, than, more than all the bills of that church. You see what I'm saying? So, like, it's, it's not as simple as it looks. Throw a couple dollars out and you're good to go. Like, it, it, that, that's not what it is. And in, in responding, consider this. Consider the fact that the way our government is structured now and even how it's ran through the perception of a political party, the political leading Republican Party right now, and you, when you roll back, when you, when you say roll back taxes, roll, you know, roll back health care, roll back this, roll back that, these social service programs are also rolled so far back that the people who need don't have equal footing to start over because they don't have nothing to start from. So how do we well, propose, um, roll, you know, cutting the welfare system and elevating prosperity in the community and social services? Okay, Tom. When you when, when you cut when you cut taxes, corporate taxes, uh, particularly because uh, we were at, we were at the highest. In, in the industrialized world. Mm -hmm. And we went to 26, I believe, which will bring back jobs. I mean, uh, people, uh, corporations are going to China because they want to make profit. But and, and there is greed. If you, if you cut taxes, the money comes back, even small business, which creates 70% of all jobs, but also regulations. All of that will create more uh, jobs and, and pick people up out of poverty. Um, it's happened over and over. When when Reagan cut taxes, they were at two percent GDP growth, and they went to seven percent in three years. Um, I know a lot of people say trickle down didn't work, but it it didn't in my community. And that's that's the part. That's the part. I think that's where the disconnect comes. Right. Uh, like especially when it comes for for black dims and 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 the way that we vote. Well, how like, old are you? We, I'm, I'm thirty five. So part of that started changing, you know. I mean, I, I'm 56, so, you know, it, it started it started reversing. So it just depends on the policies and where you live and so on. Uh, I'm from Detroit, and Detroit was the most prosperous city in the world, in the world. Mm -hmm. And because in 1974, there was kind of like the Great Society, you know, where it was basically socialism. It, it, it destroyed that city. Right now, that city's coming back, and mostly because of conservative leadership right now. So let me okay. are, do, let me ask the question, do you feel like you've heard enough to, to flip the switch on it? I, I understand the problems haven't been solved. But I, I feel what, like we, you can flip the switch, but the answer is not, the question is not fully answered. Yeah, I think, um, I, I think no. to that point, I think, what for the first question we had, I think there's some commonalities, I feel like, there's some disconnect as far as this portion, this question is concerned, and I'm okay with that. I think. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if we'll. The whole idea is not to change anybody's mind. Yeah, no. So, that, <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean. No, so no, I think well, there's well, a disconnect well, here, and I don't think. To answer a little bit, I mean, churches are. I would say just it's the values that churches uh, give us. You know, if there's a moral code, we should all help each other. 
whether it's through a small business that we start and right. you know hiring someone or buying something or whatever we do you know? yeah but I, but I think those small acts of kindness don't necessarily equate to to a family being able to get well uh, to get um, food stamp dollars at least for 26 weeks to, to stop gap for whatever next step that they have to take like it's not the same thing you see what I'm saying? and okay. I don't necessarily think that and I'll be done after this I don't necessarily think that faith-based funding will solve uh, all the the small problems in in the suffering communities and I don't I think that the reverence I think the the reverence of the people is not holistically addressed when it comes to um, solving welfare you know, having some solvency. I just, I just think that um, more should go into it, and with a more of an economical impact, and it shouldn't be on uh, faith-based organizations because that means we're looking at mega churches um, doing, doing things, and not to your point, like the small churches um, and the nonprofit sectors, and even small businesses. At this point in the American economy, where we, where we are now. Most of our jobs, speaking of China, is yes, they're thriving, but they're also thriving because they had a, a real strong buoyance in the businesses that were outsourced. So they're, they're, I feel like they're building from American blueprints. And that's not to take anything oh, yeah. away. Okay. It just is what it is. Mm-hmm. Let's flip the, the side here. So, uh, Red, next question that you guys would like to ask the Blues. Should we do we just did we kind of cover the three? Continue with three. I just realized that that was because it is the. Uh, well, I sort of because uh, we that was sort of in there. Should we go to yeah, foreign policy? <laughs> what are your main foreign policy concerns, and, and what's the role of the strong military in foreign policy? Can I can I take a stab? Yes, you can. Right, I'm gonna take a stab. You got to go to the about war. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, so, Two thumbs up from Lorenzo, man. Me and Lorenzo. Damn, eat a man. I am definitely afraid of the world revolution, and here's what I mean by that. Uh, I think the saber rattling that has been going on added with the the self-imposed big brother nature of the largest armed force in America, I mean, large armed force in the world, us, right, trying to police the world, has caused so many problems all around the world to the point where uh, these folks, like like for instance, North America, we, we talk about North America right now, right? I mean, North North Korea right now. And well, how everything, everything, but, uh, but I'm, I'm giving this an example. We got They're in the news. Iran. You're right. North Korea and Iran, both of these countries, Syria. getting getting uh, 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 nuclear bombs, right. nuclear weapons, right? And, and it's all cool now because you know because we can have that conversation because now they're in the nuclear arms race as well with the rest of us. But like, I feel like it's only going to take one person letting off one bomb that can destroy all of us. You know what I'm saying? Almost. And the only reason why I say that is because once you set off one, you're going to set off all the rest of them because of all, this, all the anger and animosity that exists amongst all these heads of state. So I am, I'm afraid of that. And I, I feel like somehow cooler heads have to prevail. So, yeah, I, I think uh, the, the idea of uh, di- being uh, diplomatic uh, uh, conversations 
of, of how to find out uh, the middle grounds uh, and what is, what is needed between these, these countries so that we can actually operate as a world together uh, is important. I don't think a good enough job has been done about that. And I think this whole idea of, of calling somebody a pussy just because they're trying to have a conversation with somebody, I think is foolish. Making history. Um, uh, I think uh, uh, just the fact that we have the strongest military in the world, we don't necessarily have to police everybody. Right. But I do think it does give us some leverage to make sure that people do come to the table and have some discussions with us about what needs to happen. So I hear you. So if every administration is policing the world, so when do we decide to get involved? Because in Syria, 500 million, 500,000 people died before we did anything. And we are having a summit right now with North Korea. Mm-hmm. Now, you may not agree that the way it was done, you know, calling him, calling Rocket Man and then come back and saying, you know, he's, he's good, he's really helping, he's honorable. But he's doing it. Right. And, and, and Kim, you know, Kim may have... Kim Jong-un, that doesn't Jalen, Jalen. <laughs> you know, you got to know his name. I, 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 think <laughs> it's, I think it's, you know, who brought up the chest? Chess, that was Brent. Brent brought up chess. Yeah, so checkers. here's a game of chess maybe that's happening, you know, and maybe there's rules and stuff and, you know, however we got there. Uh, um, and it's, 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 it's up to the people overseeing to make sure that, the, that it's real. But, but to, to I, point, I think Paul, there is a possibility that... that Korea Peninsula may be, you know, together, you know, and it's legit. I I, mean, I, I agree with that. What's the goal? What's though? the goal? Well, well, not before you even get to the goal. Like, how do we even get here in the first place? The, the reason why we're here, yeah, is because America came in as thinking that we can do whatever we need to do and was bombing the hell out of them yeah, right. years ago. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that's, that's, it's not the first time. Look, the, the Korean no, War, wait, we wait, were wait, involved. Wait, wait, we were involved. Wait, okay, we, we now have six people all talking at once. Yeah. We love each other. So you guys were, you asked a question about the role of social, of uh, importance of, of social policy and also the role of the military. And Derek, I think Foreign you can at least weighed in on a chunk of that. Are there follow-up things you're well, saying you'd love yeah, to I, I would go back to the, the idea of, I mean, the Korea War. I mean, you could argue the history of that. But if you value all human beings and, and you know, because half a million people died in Syria, the same thing was happening in Korea. So, were getting so I'm going to press you to ask the okay. question right. of what, what you want to hear from there. So do, do you believe we have a role to, to interject if, if innocent people are being killed because there's a there's a there's an evil dictator or, an, or a, you know because North Korea was so you have you gave me the question I think I think, I think during the time that we just in, in all these places that we decided to get involved there was tons of things happening at home that we should have been dealing with first. bingo five hundred thousand here's the reason why I'm saying that like. We we at Dor- we were still trying to deal with the fallout of the civil rights movement during that time. The, uh, the there there were still p- people being killed and lynched during that time. Here, there was uh, we're still even fast forward to the day. We still got a whole so bunch of black Americans. Should we not care about the Muslims now because they're coming over here? I'm not saying that we shouldn't just, care. I'm not saying that we shouldn't care, but I'm just saying that we we have to we have to be thoughtful about the priorities and using our weapons. Don't necessarily have to be the answer to the Shoot problem. Right. We don't want to be a reactionary government. Amiki has a follow up. Just also piggyback on what my fellow colleague right here said about how 500,000 Syrians got killed, and at what point does one step in? 
I don't believe that it's our role to step in into other countries' foreign affairs, and we've seen that with the previous administration, which in fact was blue. I guess you might be supporting the blue agenda, which during regime change in Syria made things worse. And a better example is there's been millions of more African-American slaves killed in by the United States. States. But no country has violated the sovereignty of this nation to come to in and help us. And that same respect should be uh, mm. across the board of all That's nations. Okay. No, okay. If, 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 if we're going to make that case for Syria, yeah. then why didn't we get involved with Darfur? Why didn't we get involved with what was going on? You know what I mean? Like, there's atrocities happening all around the world every single day. Like, are we going to jump in in every single conversation? Is that is that the, the way that we should approach it? And, and I apologize for, for sounding antagonistic to what you're saying, but but I feel very strongly that you can tell about this particular point. I'm very, very frustrated about it. But that makes a lot of sense. I want to address the civil war here. Because... Civil war. Syrian civil war? No, no, because you would address slavery here. Slavery's been around for a long time. 3,000 years old. But remember, we are the only country that had a, had, a, had, a, had a war to stop it. And, and but that a, civil, I'm and, sorry. And, and, and my sorry. ancestors are, and everyone's ancestors may have died for that. Um, I, I think because, because number one, human life is, is valuable. And, and whether they're in a different country, it, it's still, um, because those are American values for freedom. When when North Korea was invading uh, you know, South Korea, I mean, yes, Americans believe and they will die for uh, other people's freedom, and that's that's what that's what uh, conservatives believe. And conservatives have, have given their life over and over for for that belief. Yeah. Um, whether whether it's here or there, and and, and back to the question anyways, part. So, so I guess it's it's about the strong military. Is it? Is it? Well, I, I tell you what, we have had. We're just about we're run, running lean on time. All right. We'll let Melina have one shot here, okay. and if we have time, we're going to flip back to you guys for another question. You said, question. You so said what are what are your main foreign policy concerns? Real quick on the Civil War. So even in the Civil War, the American Civil War, we were fighting for freedoms within this country. And it was the Confederacy also against people fighting for the freedom of all people. So we would end slavery. Right. Um, in, that, in that, people did, when I say people, a strong, dominant, white supremacist group across the country even stated, it was like, we don't, we're still not going to honor that. So there's still that there's still that that seed still sprinted all across this country. So moving forward, and moving forward, we still have those racial policies today from the Civil War that were supposed to be um, healed, if you will, or yeah, emancipated. Thank you, emancipated. Real quick, hold on, Paul. So in answer to what your main foreign policy concerns are, and what is what is the role of a strong military in foreign policy? The way and role in which we have today, I think we have to look at foreign policy as Americans. That in the foreign policy conversation, I think we don't see ourselves as foreign in other countries. We are part of this conversation. And when, when we look at Russia, we didn't bring up Russia. When we look at Russia and how they came in and usurped, and to me, this, this leads to our military beefing up. Because military is not just 
just killing people. Military is also protecting and serving. And that's a cyber. This is cyber security yes. that we need to look at. When the And I look at this administration, the Trump administration, as a regime change versus our government has shifted party lines. I feel like this is a regime change, and I'm not sure where we're going. I'm not sure which direction our country is going in mm. based on party lines and individual loyalty. Because in this moment, we don't we don't really discuss that when 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 the Russians when the when Russians like usurped our whole election when they usurped elections no they evidence. broke well whatever we we're looking at it we're looking at it we're and we're deciding it. so in the determination factors yes and I'm closing the determination <laughs> factors of Russia being allegedly breaking into cybersecurity into our system that means no matter what our security is breached if it's not Russia then I throw in Equifax. I'll throw in our credit accounts and, and, and just, just, just all of that. And what I'm saying is because it's global, it's a global global uh, breach here that we're dealing with. That means our, our information, our social security Everything numbers, our spread. addresses, our phone numbers, we're all so, prone so, so right I think, now. Okay, I think so just, what you're saying is... Just a we, second, just a second. I, I just want to just try to calculate what you're saying in real short terms. So are you saying blue, that we need... That our military force is for the protection of us, and so we should be putting emphasis on that protection. We should be put, part we, should be, we should part of that. Part of our part of my concern is that we're not using our military might and, and bandwidth, our mental bandwidth in, in our in our military might to protect the U.S. citizen. Okay. Period. Okay. I feel you on that. So, I, vibe on it. I, vibe. I do want to move on to. So we have two questions we've dealt with. We've got a couple more on the board. My human rights. We don't have to get through them all. My human rights. Right. But let's have another question from from Blue Side here. Um, man, this is good. I like it. You were getting excited there, were you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hard for me to know. I just wanted to check. I really want to, because if we only got one, if we only got one left, good got chance you only have one left. Get on with it. That we talked about. I really want to go here, but I feel like I really want to know you economics. That. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, true facts. I want. I'm gonna go economics. I'm gonna go okay. Economics. Okay. Um, <laughs> now I'm gonna go values. Like values. <laughs> I'm gonna go values. Uh, you can throw it in if you can. <laughs> you guys aren't. Oh, you're right. You're right. This is what I do. This is what I do. This is what I do. Okay. 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 Put it at the end. How do you feel about the balance between legislation about values and personal freedom? Right. And should these values be based just on Christian values? Okay. Right. And how does that impact impact like the dangers of privatization? So I'm, I'm gonna start it again. How do you feel about the balance between legislation about values and personal freedom? Okay. And should those values be based on Christian values? Let's just leave it there. Mm. Okay. Come on with it. Well, uh, I I think, I think Christian values or Judeo Christian values or the 10 commandments is just a compass and somewhere to come from. Your family gives you values. I, I believe if, if, if you were seeing a dog, drowning in the ocean and a human being the, the, the choice is a value so I would choose the human being because I value a human being more the than, the, than the animal that's my value but it's a choice so I think values are, are, are choices that we 
it's a choice. So if I believe your your question is that is government kind of dictating what our value should be, and um, you know, I think we need a compass. Whether whether it comes from wherever it comes from, the Quran or Buddha or or Confucius, you know, it doesn't matter. Our government, or here, oh, I got it. <laughs> you guys, wait, I'll ask you to trim it down okay, there. Do you, guys, do you guys know about the, the, the statue Monumental? No. no. Monumental. It's on Plymouth Rock. And, and, and it's, it's, it's really about when the Puritans came here. It's a statue that has a woman on the top, pointing to the, to the heavens, and it says faith. Mm. In the front, it's law, then mercy, education, and liberty. Mm. And there's, a, there's a person for each. That's what, that's what America is. That's what the Puritans believe, and that's really the values of America. You have to have laws, but you can't just cut someone's head off like they did on Game of Thrones, right? You've got to have mercy. You also got to teach people. There's got to be education and liberty. Protocol. Liberty is, is the most important, and that's from all the tyranny and all the governments for thousands of years. Yeah. But none of that, none of that works unless there's faith. So I would say, I would say that you always have to have faith wherever it comes from. And it doesn't say God or Christian faith. It just says faith. I feel like I'm on an episode of Scandal. It, yeah, so it doesn't have faith. I mean, anything, or Keith, either one of you guys want to weigh in on this? I'll be kind of short. Um, my feelings <laughs> on personal freedom. Personal freedom, uh, I believe that there should be personal freedom. You know, uh, of course, within the realms of some common decency. And as far as uh, what role Judeo-Christian values play. I uh, was raised Islam, which I think technically is a part of Judeo-Christian. Being a Mosaic Israelite. Of course, of course. But anyway, I believe the separation of church and state. So I don't believe that any religious values should be involved in in policy making, but just basic morals and virtues and and, and personal freedom with just some shred of common decency. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You guys are like totally interrupting us here. We're having a great time. Go ahead, Keith. Go ahead, Keith. I'm kind of in the boat of, of we, we shouldn't use religion to inform our political viewpoints, and that the real, only real personal freedoms to restrict are ones that impose, like, if your freedom is going to hurt somebody else's freedom, then that's a bad freedom to have. Mm. Right? Like, the things I do shouldn't affect your life in negative ways. And that's honestly all I care about. Like, you know, if if, if I wanna go like do blow all day long in my bathroom, like and stay I mean that's a really bad example. In your bathroom. Right? Like grounding your blow. Yeah. All right. like, that's that's what I brought up about gay marriage it's like okay like I don't believe in gay marriage who cares like you do like go do your thing so let me let me drive close here because we other folks are done why don't we go ahead and and gather back around the table because we're going to take a minute just to process what we learned from one another so that they don't get a chance to answer a third question you know what it's (laughs) all right we, it's a nasty yet. world okay. we live in, and sometimes the nasty guys to moderate. I'm about to brinch y'all out here, man. Like. 
So I know this episode was very, very long, but I thought it was important to really give you an opportunity to listen to the entire discussion of how we come to some level of understanding. I got to be honest, it wasn't a full understanding. If I were to give some feedback, I think that the group was kind of creamed. Uh, a lot of the people who were in the space were already open to the discussion. And I wonder what that type of vibe would be with a group of people who are really, really entrenched into the extreme portions and ideals of the different uh, parties, you know, Democratic or Republican. But I, I got to give some love to all the people who are in the space. Um, folks were really open to fully understand. And I think at least putting some of this type of information out into the universe can really ch transform uh, what, what is actually happening in our political arena uh, because the middle has completely disappeared. And when I was growing up, there, there used to be folks who used to be in the middle from the uh, red side or the blue side. It didn't matter. Like, and those are the folks who really helped be the steady hand of us moving forward. So I, I, I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes. I got to give some love to John for pulling, this, pulling us all together to have the discussion. And uh, looking forward to future opportunities. So if you enjoyed it, I'd love to hear your feedback. Some of y'all might not listen to the whole two, two and some odd hours of it. <laughs> but if you skip through it and, and, and take some pieces out, tell me what you think. All right. Thank you very much. Mad love. Have a great day. Peace.